Praise the Lord. Amen. The psalmist says, I was glad when they said, let us go in the house of the Lord. And so I am glad to be in the Lord's house today, and I'm glad to be in Colorado Springs, Colorado. And uh, I will say, Kath and I had for the first time the opportunity to go to Pike's Peak yesterday. I told somebody it was a tough climb, but we made it. We really didn't climb it. We drove it. So, <laughs> so but, uh, but it was a lot cooler up there than it is down here. But we enjoyed that. I mean, this is some of the most beautiful part uh, of, of, the, of our country, really, right here where you live. And so uh, I know you know that. Some of you maybe were brought here for that reason. But whatever reason, here you are, and you're living here, at least most of you. I met our sister from South Carolina this morning, and, uh, and uh, there are people that's come from other parts of the country that are here today, and uh, so it's always good to see people no matter where they're from. But anyway, Kath and I are just delighted to be here. How many can tell I didn't grow up probably in Ohio where I pastored so long? Anybody tell by my accent? You know, I, I grew up in central Alabama, got saved when I was 20, and um, and uh, got baptized in the Holy Spirit not long after that, and uh, ended up at a place called Lee College in Cleveland, Tennessee. And little did I know that I would meet some beautiful girl that was from Ohio, and that was Kathy. And so we met there, and uh, so you got a, a Yankee and a Southerner that got together. And, uh, and it's been a good journey. We just celebrated 45 years of marriage. We have, um, amen, we have uh, three children, grown children, and eight grandchildren. And our, our life went from Lee to Ohio, and I pastored there, northeastern Ohio, for 21 years at a church. And then uh, I went into the administrative end of things and to northern Ohio for two years. And then I went and lived in Bismarck, North Dakota, for four years. And we covered... Uh, the uh, Dakotas in Montana, the church for the churches of God there. And then we left there and went to Missouri, and we were six years there. And then we went to South Carolina, and we were six years there. And then for four years almost, we have been in Tennessee as a world missions uh, representative. It's been a great journey, and we're just delighted, delighted to be doing what we do for the Lord in missions education raising funds, and also telling about world missions and what God is doing. Let me just say what a delight it is to be with Pastor Brian and Sister Carmen. They are, they are top chef, and you know that, don't you? They're, they're good people, and they came here not because they knew anybody, not because they just wanted to see the scenery, but they came here because God birthed in their hearts that this is where they should come. And so they came here, and as you know, the, their story, they got a job and started working, and eventually they did what they came here for, and that was to begin a church and to, uh, to pastor. And so they have been very, very faithful uh, doing that for the last, uh, I don't remember exactly, seven, eight years now, whatever, but they have been faithful, and they love you, and they love this area. And um, I think it would be very appropriate. We don't, we don't oftentimes honor our leadership the way we should. But would you stand and just let uh, this pastoral couple and the, the people here know how much that you love and appreciate them. We honor you today, Pastor Brian. We honor you. 
We honor you. Amen. I mean, how many know, and I'm going to try to move along, but how many know that, you know, we get motivated by a lot of things to do things. Sometimes we get motivated not because of what we really desire to do, but circumstance forces us to, to be motivated. I don't know exactly what motivated them to come, but uh, I know that once they chose that, they, they, they dove in. And, uh, and God blessed them. But I read a story uh, years ago. Uh, Kathy and I were raising our three children, and there was a book out, How to Raise Positive Kids in a Negative World, written by a motivational speaker named Zig Ziglar. And Zig Ziglar told about some wealthy rancher down in Texas, and uh, he and his wife had one child, a beautiful daughter, and they wanted to help that daughter to be able to find the right husband. So they invited all the available bachelor men within a hundred mile radius of their ranch to a big picnic barbecue. And uh, after they'd eaten, he gathered all the men around a limpet sized swimming pool. And in that pool had been placed some piranhas and some water snakes and alligators and things you wouldn't want to get in the water with. And so he uh, told the young men, he said, I'm sure you wonder why I've asked you to come here today, but said, for the first man that will swim the entire length of this pool, I will do one of three things. I'll write you a check for a million dollars today, and you'll instantly be a millionaire. If you don't want the money, I own a lot of land. I'll give you 10,000 acres of property. There's some oil wells on that property, and you'll be set for the rest of your life. And then he said, well, if you don't want the money and you don't want the land, said, there's one other thing. Said, my wife and I have, I have one child, a beautiful daughter, and said, everything your eye can see for miles and even beyond, we own, and one day we're going to pass on from this life, and it will be hers. And so if you don't want the money and you don't want the property, said, we'll give you our daughter's hand in marriage. No sooner had he said that, he heard a big splash in the water. Wasn't long, this guy comes pulling himself up out the other side, and the rancher's just so excited that somebody would take the challenge, and he runs over to the man. said, son, what is it you want? Do you want the money? He said, no, sir, I don't want your money. He said, then do you want the property, the land? He said, no, sir, I don't want your land either. And so the rancher kind of leaned back and smiled and said, then you must want to marry our daughter. He said, no, sir, I don't want to marry your daughter either. He said, the only thing I want at this moment is to find the man that pushed me in. And so you can kind of understand that, that we get motivated to do things that we don't always want to do, right? But those are the very things that kind of force us into being more than who we are. And so regardless of what has motivated you in life, uh, thank God that that has probably been a catalyst and, and pastor whatever motivated you guys to come here. I, I must say nobody pushed you in though. You guys jumped in on your own and uh, you came here and God has honored and blessed you. I, I grew up, as I told you already, in Alabama, in this central Alabama, and, and uh, I, I, I was in a community of about 300 people. And uh, we only had four churches in our community. One was an African-American church, and then there was a Baptist and a Church of Christ and a Methodist church. And, uh, and I was forced to go to church. I'm the youngest of four siblings, and, and my mom made sure that we went to church every single Sunday. But something drastic happened when I was 14 years old. Unexpectedly, my mother died. My dad was a functioning alcoholic, and what I mean by that, he was an alcoholic, but he, he went to uh, work ev most every day. The union saved his job a couple of times. He worked at a paper mill, 
And uh, after mom died, uh, dad didn't know what to do. He got involved with several, you know, women, and he, he uh, drank every day. I think his drinking even become more severe. He didn't, he didn't give me any guidance whatsoever as a, as a teenager, and I, I was just shifted from pillow to post. I lived with my aunt and uncle a while. I lived with both my brothers and my oldest brother. I moved in at least twice, maybe three times with him, and by the time I'm 18, I move out on my own. I'm, I'm a lot boy at a, at a, uh, at a uh, car lot, and that means I'm washing and detailing cars, and, and I'm uh, also, you know, putting the keys in and opening them up, cranking them every morning, locking them up, all those things. So I have a little job, and, and I live in a mobile home, and, and I have followed in the footprints of my dad. I barely made it out of high school. I didn't know how to study. I had nobody to give me any guidance, really. And so, so here I am now, 18 years old. I'm drinking 8, 10, 12 cans of beer a day. I'd also gotten involved. Only the older people will probably know what I'm even referring to. But back then, Boom Farms Apple, you must have had some yourself. So, so, so it was cherry and apple and so on. And, but the problem with that, gave you a terrible hangover and so I mostly stayed with the beer but but at 20 years of age I woke up after just partying every weekend every night almost and I went back to that little tiny Methodist church never ran over 20 or 30 people but and I, I went in on a Sunday morning and I sat on this side and there'd been a death in the pastor's family on Saturday night and so they'd called a young man that morning they, they asked him uh, to come and at the spur of the moment. So he came and he looked over and he saw me and he said, I didn't expect to see you here. And I said, well, I didn't expect to see you here either. And I knew him because he had dated my sister at one time and also because he was in the National Guards with me. I knew he'd gotten saved and he had uh, uh, given his testimony there. That's how I knew that. And he gets up and he says something at the very beginning. He said, I came to the dedication of this church with someone I dearly loved, and there'll always be a special place for her in my heart. And I thought, surely he's not going to name my sister. Even though he had dated her, she's married to someone else. He's married to somebody else, and he didn't. He named my mother because he was dating my sister when we dedicated that church, and he attended the dedication with our family. And so, you know, the Holy Spirit spoke to me, seriously, He spoke to me and said, you're not living the kind of life that your mother brought you up to live. And I, I wanted so much to go to the altar, but you know, you didn't see people go forward in that church. And, and I thought about it all through the service, and afterwards I told him his name was Tommy also. And I said, uh, Tommy, I said, I need to talk to you. And he said, well, I got to run over to the other church and preach right now. I said, can you come by my house tonight? And I said, sure. And so I went by his house that night, and, and I walked in, and he picked up a little New Testament, held it up like this, and he said, if you don't want this, tell me. I said, I guess that's why I'm here. And I sat down on their sofa, and he began to share with me a little witnessing tool put out by Campus Crusade for Christ called the Four Spiritual Laws. And law number one is that God loves you and has a plan for your life. That's every one of us, John 3, 16. Law number two is, is that, that man is sinful and that he is separated, sinful man is separated from a holy God. 
For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, according to Romans. Law number three is, is that, that sinful man can have right relationship with holy God because Jesus Christ came and he, he was born of a virgin and he died on the cross of Calvary. They buried him, but the third day he rose from the dead and today sits on the right-hand side making intercession for you and I. And he shared that, and law number four is that you must individually receive Christ. Nobody else can do it for you. In other words, as, as wonderful, saintly, godly mother that I had, I could not go to heaven because of her. I had to do it myself. And he asked me, he said, do you want to receive the Lord? And, you know, I thought about it. I thought about all these things. Lord, you're going to have to quit drinking. You're going to have to change a lot of your ways, your partying ways, and different things. And I thought for it, and then I finally said, no, not right now. You know, it's always the case. I mean, I don't know about you, but uh, the old devil always tries to push us off. I used to leave church on occasions when I wasn't uh, saved, and I'd think, well, when I get old, I want to get saved. Just before I die, I want to get saved, you know, one of those deals. But anyway, nobody's guaranteed those things, and so uh, what I did was I said, no, and he said, can my wife and I pray for you? And I said, sure, and they got on their knees, and they didn't pray real loud, but they verbalized their prayer, and I must have affirmed something in the prayer because when they finished praying, he asked me, he said, did you receive the Lord? And I paused, and I thought long and hard, and finally I said, yes, I did. Well, he said, praise the Lord. He said, you got to get in church. You need to read your Bible. You need to pray, all those things. Gave me that little New Testament, and I left, and he said, he asked his wife, do you think he got anything? She said, I don't think he did, meaning did he get saved? And she said, I don't think he did. Well, what they didn't know, I was about a mile up the road from their home, and for the first time in my life, I had this thought, if I die, I'll go to heaven. And right on the heels of that thought, I had this, if I die, I'll see my mother. I tell you, the Holy Spirit came in that car, and I began to rejoice. And remember, I'm a Methodist. I don't know about tears, but I began to cry, and, and I, began to, I began to rejoice in the Lord, knowing for the first time in my life that I'd go to heaven if I died. I'd never had that feeling before. And I went home that night, and being a country boy, I had, I had made five gallons of homebrew. That's a homemade beer. And what I had left of the homebrew, I went to the kitchen sink and I pulled two cans of beer out of the refrigerator and I poured them all down the kitchen sink drain and I never had another top of alcohol, a drop of alcohol from that day to this. God gloriously saved me and he changed my life. And I, I want to say that's what he's still doing today. People have tried every way possible to, to overcome addictions and problems and habits and to find happiness and even to have some sense of assurance about their eternal uh, uh, destiny. But the only place we can get it is through Christ. I want us just to bow our heads for a moment. Father, Father, there may be somebody here in this room today. They're good people. God, they love their family. They, they, they even try to, to treat people right, but they, they don't have the assurance that if they died, they'd go to heaven. Or maybe they've never committed their life to you, or maybe they committed their life, but somewhere they got distracted and, 
And Lord, they don't have that assurance because they've, they've lost that. They've, they've fallen away and they need to rededicate and come back. And so here today, through the power of the Holy Spirit, if there's just one person in the room that needs to, to rededicate their life or give their life to you for the first time, I pray that you will help them to push through all of those things that will try to tell them not to do it today. Let them push through. And God, give them the assurance when they walk out these doors today that if they were to die, they'd go to heaven. And for some, maybe even see some loved ones that have gone on before. So right now, Holy Spirit, do a work in our midst. Challenge us by your Holy Spirit. Speak to our hearts and help us to make that decision for you. While our heads are still bowed and our eyes are closed, I sense the Holy Spirit. And there could be just one, and if there's just one, this is worth every effort of our time today. That you would say, Brother Tommy, I don't have the assurance that if I were to die, I'd go to heaven, but I want that. And I want to rededicate my life to Christ today. Or maybe you've never received Him and you want to do that for the first time. If you're here and you want to receive Christ to rededicate your life, I'm not going to ask you to come up. I'm not going to single you out, but I'm going to pray for you. If you want to rededicate your life or come to Christ today, would you just raise your hand and let it right back down? God bless you. Are there any others? Yes, God bless you. Anybody else? We have a couple of people that are saying, you know, I really need the Lord here today to just help me. I'm going to rededicate my life. God bless you, honey. Yes. Anybody else? All right. I'm going to pray for those right now. And if you didn't raise your hand and you want to do that, you do it right now. Father, the Holy Spirit's at work in the room because we see people of different ages that have raised their hands to say, yes, I want to commit my life to Christ or either I want to rededicate my life. And so, Lord, I pray that while the Holy Spirit is at work, that they will feel a warm sensation inside of them and that will give them an assurance in knowing that if they were to die this day, they'd go to heaven. I pray, dear Lord, you'd surround your loving arms around them and give them strength and courage to be able to be strong in faith. And, dear Lord, that their life will just take on new meaning and purpose and and that you, you, will, you will help them to find your, desi your, your, your designed will for their life, Father. And God, if there's people struggling with addictions or habits or other things that they just know that they need to somehow conquer, I pray that you'll give them faith and power and ability to do that today. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your work. We thank you for these three individuals that have that have just been open and honest and said, here I am, Lord. I'm just, I'm just rededicating my life. I'm giving my life to you in Jesus' name. Now, the Bible says that angels in heaven rejoice when someone repents and comes to the Lord or rededicates their life. Church, could we rejoice with the angels right now? Put our hands together and thank the Lord for his touch and his blessing. Amen. Amen.